This is the Weird is the New Black Show. Welcome back to the Weird is the New Black show. This is episode 48. 48 is a very, very good number. And today I'm here with a woman who is on the cusp of what's happening now. And you're probably saying, what's happening now? Cannabis is happening now. It was happening then and it will be happening in the future. So we're going to break it down. My guest here, her name is Say Hi To. Okay, for those who don't know, I will spell it in the link of the podcast because I hate for you guys to try to spell it on your own because I know how some of you are, all right? A capital T-S-E-H-A-I-T-U. Got, got it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she is uh, one mm-hmm. of the co-founders of the Black Dragon Breakfast Club. That name is badass, super badass. So before we start, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here. This is a nice refresher on a Sunday evening. Yes. And it's a pretty warm Sunday, too. Mm-hmm. And we've had, like, blistering cold days, kind of, mm-hmm. the past mm-hmm. week. So it's nice. I mean, yeah. which means it's giving us, like, good energy for this show. Oh, yeah. It's all new space. So I feel like I could be in any city in any country. So it's nice. Yes. And she's here with me today for the show. Mm-hmm. Boom. So here's a question. Off the top, where did the name come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a collective effort. Uh, mm-hmm. Chantel, there was something about dragons that she was into, black dragons that she was into. Um, and then we were working with a friend, and we were talking about this idea around supper clubs, um, but we were doing things in the morning, and then we started talking about breakfast clubs, and then it just kind of came about, you know, with mm-hmm. it also being a bit discreet, and as we talk about stigma-free um, and we talk about who we are plus cannabis. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's kind of just a play on words, right? We have to be in the future. So we're black dragons. And as of now, we meet in the morning. So we're a breakfast club. Nice. And the, when I think of black dragons, I think of like the black dragon from Dragon Ball Z. He was like the all-powerful black dragon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yes, you ride on this black dragon. It's over for you. You yeah. know what I mean? I like that I like yeah. it very much. I uh, like the fact that you and Chantel, as women of color, are going in with this, mm-hmm. with, with the, not only for your, your collective, but your initiative. Mm-hmm. If we look at the cultural significance of marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, most people who know of marijuana on the mainstream will most likely associate it to certain celebrities, right. whether it be the OG Willie Nelson Snoop Dogg, Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. Cypress Hill, Redman Method Man, and movies such as like Half Baked, How of High, course. and all that. The college classics. Exactly. So we've always known it as like, you know, even on that 70s show, smoking in their basement. Sure. But growing up, for me, weed was always given like the, that wrongful mm, mm-hmm. feeling, that certain connotation, mm-hmm. where they say, don't you smoke that marijuana. 
<laughs> it's a gateway drug. Yeah, it's a trip. It's it a is. Trip. It's a trip. It's the um the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. It's been the rhetoric. And there's a lot of rhetoric. And part of that rhetoric is that black people are bad too. And so with all of these rhetorics, we start to realize that most of it has been a lie. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so a big thing for me is is education and leadership. And that's pretty much where me and Chantel meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Because whatever we come together around, it's leadership and it's education. Because right. <laughs> we're teaching each other and we're leading ourselves and, and the people. Uh, the thing that brings us together currently is cannabis. And I think it comes out of our playful nature, too. And our nature to also want to enjoy and to work as hard as we play uh, to the fullest. And that also having that, you know, having the background of a, a union organizer, laborers, we're community organizers, the two of us, in our own separate worlds. So cannabis is just one of the vehicles. It's a really great uh, way to, it's, a, it's um, a metaphor. I can use it for, as a metaphor, right? You know, people come together because of cannabis. If I think about when I was in college, I went through depression and got over it because of cannabis. Uh, I mean, my parents smoked cannabis. Uh, you know, they, they sold cannabis. My stepfather is Jamaican. My dad is Ethiopian. My, my parents grew up in the 80s, 70s, like ayahuasca, you know, changed the world. Like they came from a place of, you know, this is medicine and it helps you heal. And so I think we we got to get close to that. And if you go back again to me and Chantel, our history, our background, you know, a history for her as a veteran, for one, knowing very, very well why cannabis is important. And then for me, my background and just the alternative health growing up as a vegetarian and just being taught that there is this connection with the land and plants means something. So just at, at that basis, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to do this. Right. And cannabis is the vehicle to do this. But beyond that, I'm more fascinated by how this, like most people say, how the plant brings people together and then how we facilitate that space. Because as organizers, you know, just because you bring people together don't mean nothing. That doesn't make them move. It doesn't get a bill passed. It doesn't teach people. You can put 20 people in a room and they don't have to learn a single thing. You need someone to organize them. You need someone to facilitate that learning. And I, from our conversation, I can automatically see that the key behind what you're doing here is that you have a passion for it. Mm. And it makes all the difference. Mm. So we can talk about the beginnings of marijuana reform, Mm -hmm. right? But when we talk about that, you talk about the rhetoric, Mm -hmm. the historical aspects of why marijuana became the villain. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember when I was uh, reading a magazine, they mentioned there was a film called Reefer Madness. Mm-hmm. And it's like this film, it was like everybody smoking weed, they're losing their minds. Mm-hmm. It's just propaganda. Mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, I, I saw, like there was a gentleman who was discussing why certain drugs were outlawed. And this bald cat, I don't have, remember his name, but he's bald wearing glasses. Two identifiers right there, right? Right. And, and he spoke about how marijuana, why it was a problem. Because it was associated with people of color. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, man, if they do this drug, they're going to take our women. Mm-hmm. White women, who they were saying. Of course. And that was going with marijuana. It was, good for, it was the same thing for cocaine and, and other types of substances. Mm-hmm. You know? Any psychoactive. Right. Essentially, an upper, a downer. Now, which is an opioid in a pill. Hmm. 
and and we have a serious mm. crisis with that opioids, right? Mm. How do we go from <laughs> how do we go from villainizing it mm-hmm. to now just putting it in a pretty orange pill? So it's like there's a disconnect. There's constantly a disconnect. We call it historical amnesia, and you can say it's the case with immigrants, or you can say it's the case with medicine right now. Like we're pretending as though there are is not plants in our pills. And we pretend that law does not dictate how we treat people. And so now as these things change, it forces us individually to change the way we think, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that is the space. It's the womb. The mm-hmm. womb is what cultivate, cultivates. It's what, it's what nurtures. It's what develops. You have to develop your ideas. You have to develop this new way of thinking. And so in that sense... We create the space, Black Dragon Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. because these are folks that well, we know that there's another way. We don't exactly know what the other way looks like, but we know cannabis is in it, mm-hmm. and we know people like us are in it, but we're trying to build our space together. Right. We have to start to build a local community of trusted people, a trusted network, and again, facilitate the space. Because again, you, you can't just bring people together. Right. You got to have something there. To, right. So now think about these individual people. Like I remember, <clears throat> you know, of course, uh, Tommy Chung, mm-hmm. you know, his and what he tried to do. And I've seen Redman, mm-hmm. uh, who was like trying to push for not only just dispensaries, but trying to get the, get get the laws rolling in Jersey. This, mm-hmm. And all these people everywhere are trying to push it. And of course, uh, most recently, I saw Al Harrington, mm-hmm. ball That's player. Ball, man. Yo, he was out here talking about it, what he wanted to do, and. Here's here's the question that I have for you. Why is marijuana reform important? Not only to, you know, just in terms of health and bettering ourselves, but in terms of the laws and the country in which we live. Because again, we think about how many people are currently incarcerated mm-hmm. for selling marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I always find it to be ridiculous because marijuana, again, is a plant, mm-hmm. comes from the earth. And it's not like, oh, I don't know, alcohol. You can alcohol. grow it. Right. And I think it's, it's funny that you have these certain drugs that like cigarettes. Yeah, and illegal and alcohol. Alcohol is yeah. illegal. And I've known more about cigarettes killing people mm-hmm. and alcohol killing mm-hmm. people than marijuana, mm-hmm. but yet marijuana is looked at as the bad mm-hmm. thing. Now, am I, here's my question for you. Is it because the government isn't regulating it? Is that why? I mean, I think it's a couple reasons. One of them is regulation, but at the same time, the government chooses what they want to regulate and mm-hmm. what they don't want to regu- regulate, like Bitcoin right now. It's not regulated. Mm-hmm. They're researching about it. (laughs) And I'm sure once they find a nice, cool loophole that benefits a certain group of people, Mm -hmm. then they'll start to regulate it. Um, But as of now, it's better on the black market, right? And so I feel like the the whole thing is, you know, America is based on black market. It's all about we take, we steal, and then we sell into the black market. And then we create regulations so that you can't do things legally. It's the loophole. That's 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 the system of capitalism. It's the loophole. So once we can create a loophole that, you know, fits the, the money bags, mm-hmm. works for the money bags, great. And I think we have, right? High times. 
<laughs> there's stocks there, right? They're now tying, getting connected with creatives. Like, I think the reality is like, I'm having to accept that we live in a capitalist society. Uh, there has to be d types of regulations, but we have to fit it within the confounds of whoever's leading our, our country. Mm -hmm. And I've accepted that there's always going to be a hierarchy of poor and rich. Um, and there has to always be these agents <laughs> that are just constantly trying to go against it. So the question, is it because of you can't regulate it? Not necessarily. Um, I mean, we're going to start to regulate it, but I think also the U.S. likes to see what other people do first. We like, I mean, that's like, you know, in, in Africa, you know, we're not going to put the infrastructure in. <laughs> Come on, we need to go see how it's going to work out in other places first, just to make sure it's going to you know work out. Because yeah. of course, Americans we're smart, we're innovative, but do we follow suit? Do we execute well? No, because we all lack accountability. Because it's a human thing that we lack accountability. Who keeps the government accountable to follow the regulations? God only knows who. So it's one thing to have a rule. Who's going to follow the rule? Is a whole different story. So like, I guess you could say. It's bad because it's not regulated, but no, like drugs are bad. Opioids are bad. Alcohol is bad. Cigarettes are bad. Sugar is bad. Fake cheese is bad. Meat is bad. GMO is bad. Like we don't give, we don't care if it's bad or not in America. And it doesn't matter if it's regulated or not. Like if we're going to put a bad tip on it, we're going to give it a bad taste. We're going to give it a bad taste no matter what. And then we'll call it illegal. But I, yeah. I could go on for days. I so, feel like I'm cannabis. <laughs> which is now, we can get back to that in a second, right? Mm -hmm. So, in terms of the reform, mm -hmm. where do we start? We have to bring people in this space. So, in order to organize a community and get people doing something, so it's like a political campaign. Mm -hmm. Any type of campaign that you need to do, you got to mobilize people. You have to communicate with them first. You have to first find out what's going on. You cannot assume what's happening in a community and then try to imply a resolution. It doesn't make any sense. So, you got to start to ask what's happening. How do you feel about this? What do you want to see? What do we have here? And that's the intention. That's the process of organizing. We're mapping out. You have to map out your environment that you choose to organize. So what do you want to see? Um, I want people to be educated and to recognize that they're patients. I want the people who are consumers of cannabis to understand that they're patients. And I want the people who also are patients or not patients but care about cannabis to know that they can be involved in the cannabis industry. And I also want us to create a space where you are protected when you are involved in the cannabis industry. And I, I want equity, essentially. Everything I say has to do with safe equity. Because I know when you're the leader, when you're trying to be a part of a new industry, you get all of the licks. I mean, white people have been getting licks for the past 30, 40 years over this cannabis thing. Mm -hmm. Black people also, right? We have. We've been just going to jail and white folks have been getting their lawsuits and different things, getting come at them. But like the reality is somebody has to be these trailblazers. So I've been watching the white folks. Y'all are trailblazing. You got it in California. We've got native indigenous people who are trailblazers in this community. Mm -hmm. And then we, I come to Philadelphia. I still see bulls on the block selling bags of bud. That's what blows my mind from going to Hawaii to seeing land of bud to being in Cali to see land of bud, young men selling large amounts of bud, making money, being able to 
live live in prohibition to then being here and seeing young black boys selling little dimes a bud and then going to jail for it and then having like cops on their ass over it and then i'm thinking like oh my dad got deported for that stuff like and i'm just thinking wait a minute i really just don't want people of color to have the short end of the stick while this industry starts to develop there's no reason for it so I mean, my thing is like most of these industries, most of these nine to five corporate jobs don't like black women anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Let me go to the industry that that's a stigma too. And together, let's try to destigmatize this space. Let's even destigmatize Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a bad stigma. Right. The, the minorities in Philadelphia have a bad stigma. And we have to change that itself, right? So we cannot talk about the gentrification in Philadelphia. We have to be a part of making sure we're bringing up our community and finding the various ways to connect and talk to each other. And if it's cannabis that brings you together to talk to some, to talk to one another and find out you have similarities and we don't have to stay in our white and black boxes in Philly right next to each other, like it'd be nice to let cannabis be the thing that starts to bring us together. Right, and see how it's affecting all of us. Because I'm sure there's white families that are dealing with opioid addiction, black families dealing with opioid addiction, white and black dealing with their family members in jail or dealing with something that had to do with cannabis. I think that's enough right there to talk, knowing that it's a plant. It was all made up, too. The U.S. just made it up, just like they made up racism. They made it up. It's not even true. We're not really even black and white. This is all made up don't even really have borders. We don't even really have immigrants. We're all immigrants. So I'm just like waiting for the veil to come off, you know, off of everyone. Like every time I smoke weed, the veil comes off. Every time I smoke weed with a person, I feel like the veil is off. And it's like, oh, that's right. We live in a world that everything is okay. Everything is okay. We're fine. Damn. So, wow. So pretty much mine got blown just now. So I'm going to start all from a point about how users are all patients, understanding mm-hmm. we are all patients. Now, I've definitely used marijuana in my life, right? You know, to this very, very point. Mm-hmm. Last Friday night, mind blown, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, again, how am I a patient? Yeah, um, so I, I believe, you know, we're all consuming cannabis for whatever reason, and it has its psychoactive nature to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it either is going to affect you physically and have you calm and relax, or perhaps it's going to stimulate your brain and get you more focused. Um, and I know for me, I consume cannabis to get away from th- what I would call the powers of Babylon, <laughs> whether it be the things that make me angry, the things that make me feel bad, being a black woman, um, being in America, the, the empathy, the overwhelming feelings of empathy, pain. Uh, to be honest, I rarely find myself smoking weed when I'm in a state of, you know, full peace, full, full, full peace. Mm-hmm. full full piece and i mean that in the sense of i can't turn off that button that tells me there's problems on in the world mm-hmm. that i have to do something about i am a i i'm i feel like i was raised and bred to kind of be like a revolutionary person to be a leader and to always fight and to always go against the grain so i always pay i i feel pain mm-hmm. from people so for me i see it as 
this is the my way of I'm, I'm this is my medicine for me this is my way of of being at peace when the world is making me angry so that i can now come and be present with someone and not be angry this helps me be present and so in that sense i call it my medicine and in that sense i, I say i'm a patient i'm a patient of, of the world i'm a patient of my pain like I recognize I have it. I recognize I'm inflicted by it. I recognize I'm influenced by it. And so I care for it. I don't put a Band-Aid. I'm not calling it a Band-Aid. I'm aware of what's happening, what? right? Um, but I know that I'm, I'm, there's a reason for why I'm using it. And I think that's what I'm getting to, right? If you are a recreational cannabis user, let's, okay, great. Let's talk about how you recreationally smoke cannabis. Awesome. I will also recognize that I smoke cannabis when I'm stressed out of the world and I don't want to be a part of capitalism anymore. That's my example. And so I also see people around me constantly where I can see that through our conversations and our relationships, I see that they're medicating themselves. And I know through our relationships that they have not ever gone to a doctor to get a diagnosis because they surely don't trust the doctor and I don't trust them either. And that's a whole nother conversation. And I could talk about um, I could talk about cultural, racial PTSD. I could talk about the fact that living in America as a POC with any type of minority stamp on your body makes you feel some type of way, makes you feel like you're not inadequate. Knowing the way our American culture is, it makes us feel like we don't have the things that we need. There's this anxiety. There's all of these issues. Yeah, people are going to something. They're going to the food, the television, the love, the sex, the laughter the loneliness, the friendship, or perhaps the marijuana. So know what you're doing. So that way when you're doing it, you're present. Be present of what's happening to you and occurring, to you, occurring, you know, um, because then it might not need to be your medicine. That's why you can't recognize what you're doing until like you see yourself and you're like, yo, I've been smoking this because I'm like maybe dealing with something. Right. Or maybe I'm just smoking this because... You know, this is the thing that puts me to sleep. Let's talk about it. If marijuana is the thing you need to do when you to go to sleep, why can't you fall asleep on your own? Let's talk about it. Why you need marijuana to smoke to fall asleep then? Oh, because your whole day you run in and running, you got all so then let's talk about that nine to five that got your brain thinking it needs to go like this, go like a rat constantly. Mm-hmm. Because there's a root of the problem at the end of the day. And we can talk about the root of the problem at the end of the day, but I want to talk about how cannabis is is inserted in this problem. And in this capitalist American society, cannabis is a medicine. And it's at least one of the medicines that won't kill us the way opioid addiction will and alcohol will and the sugar will because we know the US don't care about us being healthy. Like our health, they not they don't care about that. So they surely aren't gonna care that we're using the most optimal medicine to help us. And I also am big on like, I don't want people to look at cannabis as just, it's not just a recreational thing. Unfortunately, it's not. It has a power that's far greater than just fun. And if you don't recognize the power of it, then that's the problem too. And medicine is sacred. And so you talk about witchery and mystics and shamans. Yes. (laughs) Like, no. Anything that has the power to bring two different people together and connect and have you be on the same wavelength, that shit is medicine. That's fire. Treat it like medicine. You don't overdose on medicine. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you think of it like candy, well, candy got sugar and sugar will poison you. So know what the fuck you're doing. Facts. But yeah. Wow. So 
I am definitely a firm believer that whatever you do, there needs to be a purpose mm -hmm. behind it at all times. I look at a past uh, relationship that I had, and she was dealing with anxiety, mm -hmm. and she was an avid smoker. Mm -hmm. And again, see, before I had like this like awakening and this realization about what marijuana actually was mm -hmm. versus what I was told what it was, right. right? And I was like wondering like, why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? But then I understood like it was, it, that was her medicine. Mm -hmm. As I got older and I started seeing different people getting these prescriptions mm -hmm. from these doctors, taking these pills, like for their anxiety or for their depression, they will be doped up, mm -hmm. you know? Like, if you ever seen a movie called um, One Floor of Cuckoo's Nest, right? Mm -hmm. After people start getting like shock therapy or yep. lobotomized or whatever they were going through, they would come out like doped up, yep. not, not the same again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, why do you feel the need to take have to take all these crazy pills when you can have like smoke marijuana mm -hmm. and that will ease you out in the way we will still be normal. Yeah, you present. Know? Present, yeah. Instead of being like, I've you know, seen step it. Off. I have watched it. I've watched people. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Those, yo, like, I didn't realize how bad painkillers and stuff were because my my family grew up so anti-medicine right. that even to this day, like, you know, I, t I feel bad taking Vicodin. Like, it's like a bad thing, you know? Mm. Like, my family, we don't do medicine. We don't do doctors. I barely have any of my vaccinations, to be honest. I always got um, uh, religious exemptions as a kid in Philadelphia. That was how you got out of it. Mm. My mom learned. Like, my mom knew in the 80s, like, that mm. there were these systematic ways of controlling you. So, I just opioids is just not a common concept so when people talk about the addiction and that you would have this bathroom cabinet filled with medicine mm -hmm. i'm like i've tried those kind of pills and they blow my mind because i'm like this shit ain't right <laughs> like that's how i look at it as like oh so you can take this every day and be okay the next day that's not okay it's actually not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, your body has reactions to let you know it's not okay. It's a beautiful system. Right. Where your body says, oh, no, 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 you had too much. Go to fuck the bed. <laughs> Whereas with these drugs, there are people in labs that are making it so that you can keep going to a certain point. Like, and they know that it's a addictive and they're making it addictive and they're not able to get these side effects out and perhaps they want the side effects it's a real like it's a real thing like i've been around people who've lost their family members because of drug addiction because they were in the hospital over some sports an injury even and now you addicted to painkillers or the kids that took ritalin and were given adderall people who were given that as babies and kids and now you really really for real for real think a pill is going to change the game for you now one difference for me is i know damn well that i have to fix myself 
always was taught that i grew up in a home where it was all about self-help eastern religion the meditation the food the, the all the things anything every try ever all the things that make you that can heal you so that's why i talk about the medicine because I, I recognize we're all dealing with something we're all we've all experienced something and we're now trying to live through it on a daily basis and the things that we do reflect how we have dealt with our shit or how we have not dealt with our shit Right. So I clearly know my cannabis consumption definitely reflects where I am in a space of <clears throat> I'm constantly dealing with a lot of stress and, and pushing through spaces that are uncomfortable for me and really hard. I'm, I'm currently going through that. I also know that when I lived in Hawaii, I didn't smoke as much bud. I didn't smoke as much marijuana at all. Mm -hmm. I smoked it was way more social. It was just a social thing to do with friends. It was like literally what brought me together. I was the only black person in most of my spaces. So I learned very quickly and I didn't start smoking until I was older that marijuana brought people together. So I realized, oh, if you put, you know, if you put some weed on the table, people open up. Right. <laughs> you know, I was a big one. I want to have friends. So I learned like, you know, they like this. And I also didn't grow up around alcohol. I also saw how much alcohol would affect my behavior and I, I lose control. Mm -hmm. Whereas with cannabis, I don't lose control. I just let go. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a choice of I'm just, I don't care right now. Everything is fine. Whereas alcohol, you lose it just the same as painkillers. I remember trying different, not painkillers, but different opioids at a time, you know, wanting to try because other people are trying it and noticing the lack of control and, and the fear of like, whoa, I went to another place. Like I went to a nightmare place or it was great, but like, this is like knowing that this isn't okay. I've done shrooms before. Like I've done acid. So like I, I've done things to be able to see what people are talking about. And then I see my threshold when, Oh, you <laughs> ain't no control here no more. But uh, long story, <laughs> long story short, the power of opioids is crazy. And it's sad that America has just let it go in this way and it's just almost it's cute almost and now we've got these celebrities that flaunt it but they're addicted to drugs mm -hmm. right we've got these elite private families no one knows about how much addiction is going on in their family because american culture is to throw it under the rug so it's like stop pretending like all of us all colors are not in pain that we're not from a lot of broken experiences and this is a, a space of joy of connecting of learning of healing of growth you know i think that's the problem is that we all tend to think especially in america that we are separate from each other mm -hmm. like that's their problems not mine that's their problem not mine so when people discuss like the need for marijuana or to reform so it can be out there, they don't understand because they're like, well, I don't have to deal with that. Right. So they're not put, putting themselves in the shoes of those who needed to to live. Exactly. You know, like. Veterans. There are people, mm -hmm. go to these dispensaries that are opening up in these different cities and states and ask them who their patients are. Just go sit down for 10 minutes, for 30 minutes, whatever, and ask them who their patients are. They're people who are sick. Mm -hmm. These people are sick. Like, what should, like, we're talking about people who are in jail because of cannabis. So I'm not just talking about we getting high. Like, this is, that's the fun part of it. 
The fun part is I get high and it brings people together. The real shit is the stuff that we could talk about all day. It's the stuff that is reflected in the work that I do, that I've always done. It's who I am. It's that I'm black female. I care about my life and I see that there's there's pain, there's there's destruction, there's people going to jail, there's no equity, there's there's lies, like there's cops targeting young black boys in areas where black boys don't have any support. Like I see this, we all see this. Cannabis is just the one little green plant that we can use to 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 brand the real gutter story. Mm-hmm. It's amazing because one thing before I get into the next session, I want to say this: like when it comes to black women taking charge when it comes to social issues ain't nothing like it ain't nothing like it you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying just be on the front lines Mm -hmm. holding it down blessings that's all I can really say you know what I mean yeah snap um one thing um I'm thinking about it in terms of you know the spaces and yeah people allowing us to have just Letting it be what it is as a plant we all can benefit from. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier about those who, on the outside, who can still be involved in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, how would they go about that? It's like in terms of like investing and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. how how could we do that? I mean, I think that's the real cool part, too, is like. That there are people who align with the whole idea of um, we have to change the rhetoric and the story and we have to take away the stigma from the cannabis industry and they recognize it's a medicine and it's an alternative and it's an option and and we need more advocates and allies and so I think it's important to to, to for us we have to first talk about it and, and be proud right and be the organizers of our mission and so that we can then talk to the people who do want to support <laughs> we have to be able to talk about it we have to have our forces behind us so that we can identify those who want to just be a part of it because I have people all the time who are like I don't really do the cannabis thing but I love this movement and you know what I'm interested in CBD or I'm not interested in CBD or THC but I just want to support y'all because this is great mm-hmm. and I'm like absolutely come to an event let's create a different type of event how do you want to sponsor us how do you want to partner with us how can you help create the space we need protection right because we know there's no equity we're creating a space that's for the future it's not for now it's for the future so can you protect us how can your services support our space so in that sense that's where you then have spaces like the black dragon breakfast club people like myself and Chantel, because we want to have those conversations we want to talk and figure out well what is it that you want to do my whole thing is the value exchange whatever value i can bring to you you can bring to me cannabis smoke or no smoke mm-hmm. <laughs> we can we can figure something out because it's an industry like any other industry and those are the many the myriad of, of occupations that can support the industry so ev- calling on all people who want to support the cannabis industry in whichever way there is a place for you um, and there's a person for you now now that you mentioned that right I spoke to um, asked this question on Facebook I say, you know, people say, in order for you to really make it in this country, you have various forms of revenue and income, right? right. I ask people, what do you do? People have different investments, we have different jobs. Right. And for a while, I was thinking about investing my money in something that meant something. Mm-hmm. You know, like people say you could buy a couple shares of this, a couple shares of that, but I really do want to invest in the cannabis industry. Right. Uh, more so for the fact that, again, I'm just tired of the stigma mm-hmm. of it. 
I'm tired of seeing people of color, young, you know, young brown boys, black boys being thrown into the, you know what I mean, thrown into jail mm-hmm. for selling, being arrested and harassed for selling marijuana. Mm-hmm. Like this, this shit isn't cocaine or crack, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's calming aunties down in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's, it's funny how we can, you can like have a tea being sold yeah. or like thyme or basil or various right, herbs being sold. You can't do that with marijuana. Make me bring out my pot. You know what I'm saying? You can't sell the, the, the good shit. So it's like, for me, it's like, how do I mm-hmm. invest? Like, where do I start? Because mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. Okay. So there's so many different things. Um, you know, a big thing is there's education with cannabis and there's also just the consumption. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also like talk about the medical benefits of, of cannabis and how people can experience the medical benefits of cannabis. Mm-hmm. I think one big industry within the industry is food. Everyone can connect with food. And so all you really need to do is support any person who's in the cannabis industry and trying to innovate the industry. And I would say it doesn't hurt to take a trip to a Colorado, to a California, to a Nevada, Mm -hmm. to a soon-to-be New Jersey, to be able to see what's currently happening in that space where it's legal, recreationally legal. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing is if you want to invest, you need to do the research and find out what's currently happening and where people are getting their best of return on their profit, especially with all of the risks that come into play. And so when I say that, I mean, at one point I thought I wanted to get into like the farming in California, but after being there for a year, a couple of years, I realized there was way too much risk in that. And I didn't necessarily want to do that part of the industry. So I, I kind of was like, well, I need to learn business first. So I'm like, hey, let's go to business school mm-hmm. so you can just get the basic skills. And then let me go in and work at a company and learn different things. And then from there, my passion will still be there, cannabis. And so then with that, you have to learn the industry and find out what people are doing. Because if you thought about investing in the cannabis industry, somebody else did too. <laughs> and so when I was probably doing way more research than you. So I think it's important to start talking to people, right? Because how you invest, I really feel like should reflect what matters to you most. And so if it's cannabis that you care about, what else do you care about? Right? What are the five top things that you care about? Because I believe your investments should reflect that because at the end of the day, our investments really just perpetuate capitalism. So mm-hmm. we have to believe in them in some way. Exactly. So I said like in terms of me, if I'm having like a, a shares or investing in anything, I don't want us to be like, yo, go on Apple because they make money or go on Nike right. because they make money. Right, right. It's like the things that are important to me right now in this very moment, the top thing is mental health. Right. Uh, because there are people out there who, especially veterans, mm-hmm. who, th- who are under the impression that they had no help. Yep. You know, and, and many of them have found themselves and bad situations. We mm-hmm. see them, if you're down here downtown, which is where I'm recording at right now, it's in the mm-hmm. city, I've been approached by all different people who said, like, I'm a veteran, I'm a veteran, or I was did this, I did right, that. Right, or right. some people have committed suicide, right? Right. You know, I think about mental health, and I think about people of color being targeted yep. because of this. Like, I, I just watched this, uh, the latest season of Narcos Mexico <laughs> on Netflix, <too>. right? <laughs> And Me too. <laughs> it was to see how they started with marijuana. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish Crazy. they stuck with marijuana, you know, but I know people was trying to get money and do better for themselves and it was what they thought they had to do. Mm. I'm like, if I just stuck with marijuana, y'all would have been A-okay. Been okay. Yep. It would have been okay. It would have been okay. I had fucking around with these And when they say it's people. a gateway drug, no, 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 no. When you are a 
when you're smuggling large amounts of drugs across borders Mm -hmm. and now you are dealing with law enforcement Mm -hmm. and secret agents of a large government yes cannabis is a gateway drug that's a good way to look at it so who who we talking about is cannabis a gateway drug for the dealer or for the consumer the dealers all facts because 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 what is it what is what is the sell of cannabis Mm-hmm. But commerce. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right on. It's capitalism. It's business. Once you start selling, you sell. Once you learn, you can cut that with a little bit of fake stuff, and they're not going to know you start to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. You know that all you got to do is say it's something, but people can't test it. Right. That's the whole problem right now. We got a bunch of kids on the block selling cannabis. We don't know what we smoking. Right. So if you don't recognize yourself as a patient, if you pretend and say, oh, this is just recreational, when are you going to keep recreationally smoking some recreational type stuff? And who knows what's going to happen to you? If I'm so fucked up out here, point blank. Because again, you see what happened when people, these guys doing cocaine and dying because they're cutting it with fentanyl. So, because if you care, if you were purposeful, I'm not saying like go do drugs, <laughs> but right. you got to be purposeful about what you do, right. right? Just be purposeful about the stars and the music artists that you like. That way, you won't be shocked when you find out Kanye West is crazy. Right, he's always probably crazy, mm. but that's Tracks. a different story. Indeed, <laughs> we get at all. It's all under mental it's a health. Different story. It's a mental. You know it, it, again, it's literally a mental health thing. And if we're not talking about why we're doing things, and we can't even get to the root of the problem, of what's going on? So if we veterans, like, of course they're sick, but we want to pretend like war doesn't make people sick. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's the thing. I, ah, God, because yo, yo, everybody talks about how I think about Kaepernick, right? They were like, oh, Kaepernick doesn't care about the troops. But then, then he spoke, spoke to one of the, you know, a serviceman, mm-hmm. and he said, yo, kneeling would still be respectful. But then, but, but still, the narrative goes, he doesn't care about the troops, right? <laughs> but then you had Trump say what he said about the troops, right? About PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I had the exact quote in my mind, but it's pretty much saying, oh, PTSD, I guess the war is too hard for certain people. And I'm like, listen, what? What PTS and and that's and that's that arrogance, you know. That's the that's the same line as people saying capitalism isn't bad right. and capitalism is good because as long as you're on the the long side of the stick, mm-hmm. you ain't got to see why it's bad. If you ain't never been through PTSD and you ain't interested in going through it, and it ain't. And you ain't interested in going through it and you ain't interested in it. You ain't going to care about the people who are. And right. I feel like it's as simple as that. Like y'all keep people keep trying to. Somebody like Trump is who he is. He's been showing us who he is. He's an asshole. He don't care about us. Just like America. Our policies. It shows who we are. We don't got to like just because you got pretty teeth don't mean you a good person. Come on now. Because you wear a suit, I mean, you're the truth. You no. Know what I'm so we play right. that game. We put everything on a big screen and we put makeup on and we pretend like everything is okay. And we know it's not. That's why we, we band aid the problem with an opioid, with a painkiller, so we don't have to get to the root of the problem. Like, we're not getting to the root of the problem. You know why? Because the problem continues to exist and we keep thinking it's a new problem and it's just the same problem. Mm-hmm. It never changed. So Trump talking shitty about people, obvious, of course he did, of course he is. I'm not surprised at this point, the fact that we keep giving it energy is shame on us. 
Mm-hmm. That's like a woman just continuously talking about their abusive boyfriend everywhere she go. You want to tell her to shut up already. Damn. This, this is why I think it's important that we have these conversations, these discussions, because mm-hmm. it's about the purpose. Mm-hmm. And like you said, even if you do it, if you are a patient, you know that you need it, versus those who are recreationally using it, you have to understand the importance of being behind what you're using, yeah. knowing what you're using. And listen, I'm not saying you have to be like the all-time history buff, but understand what you're putting in your body mm-hmm. and understand where it came from. Mm-hmm. So people watch Narcos when I was watching that, and th- these individuals mm-hmm. were like coming up with these crazy blends and strands and like this. Right. The science that came with it, like that in itself, the science behind it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Understand the compounds of THC mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. of all these things and how they work. I mean, what I, as I learn more, and I think this is the beauty of it too. Because once I recognize myself as a patient, now mm-hmm. I'm responsible. It's I'm accountable. I have to be accountable for myself to treat myself like a patient, and I think that's the big thing. Is like. I'm a patient. Okay. I'm medicating myself. Okay. What am I taking in? Okay. What's it feel like? Just kind of this awareness. You have to be accountable for it. Now, I might not always make the right decisions, but I've taken on this role, and now I have to treat myself and, and help myself. Right. Because if you're a patient, you're trying to get better. Mm-hmm. No question. I, wanna, I want there to be a day when I'm, I... When I'm in my most stressed out moment and what I want to do is curse out the person next to me. <laughs> yes, I would like to be mature enough to be able to just breathe through and be the guru. I'm not I'm not the guru yet. <laughs> I feel you. Cannabis is a trip. I can I'm just thinking about the people that have like rotted in jail over it. It just really messes me up. Got life sentences. <sighs> I remember hearing about this guy. He may have been in California. But this is like back in the day before things got legalized and before everything got to be mm-hmm. as okay as it is now. Mm-hmm. Like selling like marijuana and he just got life in prison. I'll never see it again. But now it's like, it's damn near fashionable now. You know, well not, but marijuana <clears throat> itself isn't fashionable. Right. It's the people who are using who it, are using acting it, and like, oh yes, I'm high right now. Exactly. How about you? Exactly. And to be honest, like I smoke weed to turn my brain off. I'll be serious with you. It's the um once you know too much. Mm-hmm. Information overload. Overload. Boom. Yeah. Information overload. Why? Because I don't feel like I can do enough about it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can do enough about it. That is that's why I'm a patient. Because I don't feel like I can do enough to change this world and maintain my equilibrium. That's that's why. But I will say there's so much money to be made in this cannabis industry. I tell you, oh, my Lord and my Jesus, oh, my Lord. I mean, my big thing is I'm an advocate. I'm an organizer. But you have to have money to sustain yourself. And so a budding new industry with so many opportunities. Mm-hmm. And we have a budding, you know, black, powerful space ecosystem happening in Philadelphia and the U.S., I just see us taking control 
over a space and flourishing in it. Mm -hmm. That's really what I see. I see young men recognizing themselves as patients and wanting to take ownership over it and saying, you know what, let me, why am I smoking this? You know what? Maybe there is something that I could do to really get to the root of the problem because I'm tired of medicating myself. Hold up. You know what I'm saying? I want mm -hmm. people to feel kind of maybe in, inspired by them destigmatizing this and then seeing that they can destigmatize themselves because a lot of us feel like we can't do anything about racism. Like we can't change the world. Well, maybe we can change the face of cannabis right now and protect our young boys as we regulate cannabis. Like maybe all of us can start to read about how to create a bill. Right. Maybe we can learn business and law through the thing that we like. I don't know. I know that it brings people together. I know that I'm able to get people's attention when I'm talking about cannabis. And I know that it makes the folks that people don't care about makes them listen. Now, when you got here today, we were in the elevator coming up and we were discussing the bill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The bill. Now, you're discussing how it's going down in New Jersey. Yeah. And yeah. then we dealt with happened here in Philadelphia. So please elaborate on this bill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was, um, you know, we always doing research about the cannabis industry. And mm -hmm. I've been studying, like, learning about the state of New Jersey. A lot of things are going on there. And so the big talk is, like, New Jersey is going to be the next state where it's, like, recreational. And so I've been trying to find the source. And where's the bill? Where's the info? I, I know some people who are in Camden who are who also have been saying it's about to happen. Um, and so we find the Senate bill number 2703 um, for the 218th legislator. And so pull this up. I want you all to, when you listen to this podcast, make sure you go and you look it up. Senate number 2703. You can find it right on the internet. You can download it actually. It's a PDF. It's 68 pages. And some of the things that really stuck out to me when you read this, and I don't know why this excites me so much. <laughs> Probably because I feel like, you know, we're across the bridge from New Jersey. Like, this is a monumental change. This is huge. I mean, law is changing in front of our faces. And this is going to have to affect young men, women, older men, women, people who have died who went to jail over this, who've been targeted over this, who've lost money. And so as you read this, it's talking about the issues that are going on currently. And so it mentions things like, for one, uh, line 28G, black New Jerseyans are nearly three times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than white New Jerseyans, despite similar usage rates. 31, B, marijuana possession arrests constituted three out of every five drug arrests in New Jersey in 2012. Yeah. In 2012, a person was arrested for marijuana possession in New Jersey approximately every 22 minutes. New Jersey law enforcement officers made over 24,000 arrests for marijuana possession in 2012, more than in the previous 20 years. Wow. Bruh, New Jersey spends approximately $127 million per year on marijuana possession enforcement costs. Taxing, controlling, and legalizing marijuana for adults like alcohol will free up precious resources to allow our criminal justice system to focus on serious crime and public safety issues. 
New Jersey must strengthen our support for evidence-based drug prevention programs that work to educate New Jerseyans, particularly young New Jerseyans, about the harms of drug abuse. Another thing, when you read through this too, a lot of what they're saying is that there are going to be some provisions in here that make sure minorities and women have to uh, represent the industry. And so I think a good thing to talk about now is like, uh, get yourself some property in New Jersey. You might want, (laughs) you might want to get registered in New Jersey right about now. I'm telling you, it's looking really nice. Think about New Jersey, all the rural area, right? Mm -hmm. We, everybody knows when you go visit your friend out in New Jersey, you driving for about a good 35 minutes Mm -hmm. on the highway. You're going to see a bunch of land. Maybe might not feel comfortable a little bit if you black, you never know though. Right. Mm -hmm. But you also know it's right over by New York. So I just, I want, I, I want it to be kind of an exercise for us to find this bill online bill 2703 and start reading through it because i want you to start imagining if the word philadelphia was in there imagine it when i read line 20s so it says new jersey cannot afford to sacrifice its public safety and civil rights by continuing its ineffective and wasteful marijuana enforcement policies now listen to this Pennsylvania cannot afford to sacrifice its public safety and civil rights by continuing its ineffective and wasteful marijuana enforcement policies. Just imagine if you were a part of creating the bill to legalize cannabis in Pennsylvania. So we talk about organizing, educating, bringing the spaces. It really is all about being able to write the bill, get the bill passed. Get people mobilized, get people talking, get people educated so that they can decide on what side to be on. So it's just it's exciting to see this. This is law. I mean, this is the same law that made marijuana an illegal substance. It's the same system and law that said blacks were not human. You know, the legal system. So. Take some time and pay attention because there's a lot that goes into a bill. If you've never read a bill, mm-hmm. read a bill. Um, S2703, page five, line one. Marijuana grower means a person who grows, cultivates, or produces marijuana in this state. Recognize that you have to define the terms in a bill. Let's start defining the terms. And that the terms that are defined in a bill is how people go to jail for selling bongs. It's the very language in which they use to control us, right? So the rhetoric that cannabis is is wrong, it's just somebody wrote it. That's it. You have the power to rewrite it. We can write our future. We can create a future where we don't have to go to jail for, for medicine. And you know what? I'm so tired of like going into uh, head shops, right? Around, you know. Mm-hmm. In the city, mm-hmm. and I have to use coded language mm-hmm. when I'm asking about a piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, yo, why can't I just say, yo, I'm getting this so I can smoke this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, which which one is the best thing for mm-hmm. me? Versus like, you can't say that in here. If you say that, you get you kicked out. My dog. It's all right. You know, I mean, I'm one of okay. the problems. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, okay, I'm just, right? I'm, just, I'm trying to look around and see what y'all got. Right. So, I understand. Cool. It's a trip. I mean, you have to. It is currently legal in this in the country in canada the whole country it's legal guys everyone it's been legal in amsterdam we're behind we're behind philadelphia we're behind Mm -hmm. 
In order for there to be equity, we have to be forward thinking. Now is the time. You have to come together with people you may not have known or thought you were your allies so that we can create the space, right, to sustain ourselves both mentally, spiritually, and economically. I like nice things. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, put aside, you know, I don't want people to be in jail. I want them to live their lives. <laughs> and have the ability to do so without having to, having to hide somewhere. Yeah. Let me be safe. Protect us. Protect us. Let Philadelphia, is Philadelphia really the, the sanctuary city? Is it really the, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection? Then protect us. And that's what I dug about your, the Black Dragon Breakfast Club Instagram post. Mm-hmm. It's about protectors. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you had different people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, who are out here and part of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about people who are trying their best to bring awareness to, to this, you know? Like, and I, I guess that was, that was the weird part where people try to attach their perceptions to it and try to make it real. Like, for example, every time you see, like, marijuana, like, shown on TV shows, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm so high, ha, 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 ha. I can't do anything, right? Yeah, I'm so, I'm so out of my mm-hmm. mind. But they're... Yeah, well, that's always an ass-out thing because are you talking about indicas? Are you talking about sativas? Or Because with the right amount of CBD, you can rebalance yourself. I'm telling you, man, I know the difference when I'm smoking cannabis that has got me sleepy versus cannabis that has me awake because I can work on cannabis. Cannabis allows me to focus, zone in, not think about every other problem in my life, mm-hmm. and then I go, I go to work. So we have to talk about being able to medicate ourselves the right way mm-hmm. by us just saying everything is cannabis. There's certain levels to this. We have THC in here. We have CBD levels in here. There's a different balance. You can actually sober yourself up by consuming a type of cannabis that has more CBD in it, right? Mm-hmm. It could be indica dominant. It could be sativa dominant. It could be a hybrid, Right. I mean, this is part of why we have our events. It's a morning time event, first of all. So you're not coming to the Black Dragon um, Rise and Grind if you don't like to be up in the morning, Mm -hmm. as well as if you probably don't like tea or coffee, you're probably not also coming. And so this is for people who want to work, want to talk, want to connect around cannabis. You can always be in our space and not talk, but typically this is for the person who's able to communicate when they consume cannabis. And to be honest, there's a variety of cannabis strains that can have you talking or not talking. And so that's another conversation because if you don't recognize that you are a consumer, you just take, you're just, you'll be, you'll take whatever's given to you. And that's something I think too many of us do. (laughs) We take what's given to us instead of actually understanding what we have and doing research to find out what we really need for ourselves. Yeah. Like, why settle? Why settle? So you took McDonald's because they put it on your corner? So you take so you take it? Well, yeah, I see. That's all they gave us. Well, we have to give ourselves something. Please say it again. <laughs> I mean, you again. took the McDonald's, they put it on your corner, and you now you eat it. But I get it. I get it. Because who else? You, we look at it, well, who else is going to give it to us? Well, let me just say, there are folks out here that are smarter we, I'm smart and it is my responsibility to share that. Yes, 
I'm not mad at you for not knowing better, but I will be present and I will share another way and an alternative. And I will trailblaze for that alternative to one day speak to you or at least to be available for you if you so ever choose to inquire. Also, if I may interject about the CBD oil, right? CBD oil helps pets. Like there, there are cats out there, like literal cats, not people, cats. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I'm slang. not jazz cats, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, not, not the cool cat in the corner. I mean, actual <laughs> yeah, cat, right? There are cats out there that suffer from kidney disease, mm. and CBD oil actually allows them to maintain their appetite mm-hmm. and to control and to carry on. Yeah, this, you know, in spite of having you know suffering the pain. Yeah, right, right. I, I mean, can't. So they won't research cannabis, right? Just like they won't research the fact that black people got PTSD because of racism and slavery. Because right. if you don't research it by the medical standards in America, then we can't find the proof about it. Right, so right. the reality is like cannabis cures stuff. Cannabis is the perfect alternative, one of the best alternatives to cancer. Cancer, what? The leading disease in America that we can't seem to find a cure of except for killing all all cells in our body? Chemo, yep. Mm-hmm. Frying the hell out of you. Fry all of your whole body, and then we got every natural doctor that's known gets keeps getting murdered because we want to pretend like we don't got no natural alternatives. So of course cannabis heals. I know it. He- we know it heals. Hello, opioids are derived from natural plants. Let's do a research lesson on cannabis and find it in ancient texts and scripts ancient religions cannabis has been healing people for centuries mm-hmm. that's it it's just a fact we're not debating we're not having any discussion about that that's a fact so either you take a look at all the options or you just take what they give you you know what it reminds me of so i read an article um in this magazine um called bitch magazine right mm-hmm. And it's a magazine, you know, written by women, for women, but I checked it out because I just wanted to get an idea about life that's not my own, Mm. right? So one woman was discussing, I believe she's from like Peru or Ecuador. Mm. And in her home country, they they do, they smoke um, ayahuasca. Mm But she mentioned how, at some point in time, if you notice, anything that's like done by indigenous people mm-hmm. or cultural standards can, has will be quickly be bastardized. Of course. So there was a, a portion where there were these people, you know, these yuppies, these hippies, mm. coming down, you know, from the U.S., mm-hmm. making their, you know, making their voyages, spiritual journey, spiritual yeah, journeys, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Healing themselves, typically, Healing, right? And these camps doing ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. But, of course, as time went on, they went from making these spiritual journeys to exploiting it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's places, I think, in the States now, people are like, yeah, we have these ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it's like not a, I wouldn't say it's a kit, but like, it's like, there's yeah, yeah, spaces. Yeah, it's a retreat. It's a retreat. retreat. Yeah. And they, you know they have, and they'll charge you out the ass mm-hmm. to go to these retreats, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and these people's lands and all. And the problem is, the more people that are going down, the more people that are going down, 
the more of it is being consumed mm. and the less is being left for the people who are there. Mm. Like people going down there, getting all these crops, mm. going back up to where they're going to and selling it for like mm. mad money. Mm. And, it's, and it's crazy. And I, and, I, and I see that and I see how mm. it is with yeah. marijuana. Like like you said, and I, I would prefer that marijuana stay on the black market. Mm. I would prefer that the people be in charge of it rather than the government trying to get, put right. their hands in it and right. fucking it all right. up. Right. And, I think, and I think that's a good point because as soon as you say that, I think of the kids riding in jail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that duality that we have to face because our current Western society imposes dualities on us, <laughs> mm-hmm. good and bad. And so when we say we wanted to be on the black market, yeah, because it's the only other choice they gave us. Either it's on the black market or we regulate it and now it gets exploited because it's within the system and umbrella of this capitalist society of America. And so I think that's the constant dialogue we have to take and have because I agree I want it on the black market too, mm-hmm. but that doesn't help the kids that get targeted over a plant. And so I think right. if that's where that, that, you know, that, that tug of war about being um, realist or idealist, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta pick a side, I guess. And you have to be grounded in why you're doing it, right? So like, I picked the side that I, I there's nowhere else I can go. I can't, there's no Africa. African country. I mean, half Ethiopia. I went to Ethiopia. Like, one day I'll go there, I'm sure. But am I going to move there? I mean, I'm American. So I'm big on, like, this is our country. This is the country that I have a passport in. This is where I have, I guess, the most protection in. So I have to just be a part of making it look the way I want it to look. And black market means more POC people without protection are targeted and put in jail. And not to say that if we make it legal, they won't get targeted, but at least you have these legal protections that in the court of law, you know, you're safe. But as long as something is just outright illegal and the policy and, and, and the way we arrest is, is so unfair and, and not, there's no accountability for it. That's the, I, I think that's just the worst part, you know. It's, it's like, do you have cops or no cops, or do you improve cops? And I think that's that that mind of like innovation, the constant new ideas. It negates the let's just fix our problems. You know, it's like a family thinking if you get a new family, it'll be better. It's like nigga, just fix your own family. <laughs> like, oh, let me go get a new boyfriend. Let me go get a new girlfriend. Let me go just go just just fix yourself, cause the just, grass ain't greener, yo. Like just you think it is, right? Ain't nowhere else to go. I'm not. I'm not gonna find anybody to love me unless I just I have to learn how to love myself. Nobody's gonna like me better than myself. No one's gonna care for our country than us. Mm-hmm. So either you claim it. Or you fucking don't. And like, I'm going to claim it right now. It's a shitty fucking America. We live in a shitty America. Yeah, but it's way better than a lot of other countries. So you better do something with it, in it. There's no other place. There's nowhere to go and hide. So either we make it black market, and now you combat and deal with young kids and men and women going to jail over a fucking plant, and that's blowing your mind, and people are not getting the medicine that they need. Or we try to reform... And that's why slaves aren't still slaves. That's why black people can vote. Like, you have to work the fuck it out. 
working it out doesn't mean you just sit and talk about ideas. It's you fucking go out and you organize, you map your environment, you find out what the problems are, you do your research, and then you do the work. The work is the part that's practice, practice. That's the nine to five. If I'm about to do any nine to five, it's the nine to five of doing the work to fix the country. I ain't going to do it on nobody's bullshit salary. So maybe I can get cannabis to help me and my business partner Mm -hmm. (laughs) create a space where we can we can impose change. Because there's nowhere else to go. I'll tell you something. The BDBC, which is the Black Dragon Breakfast Club. In my opinion, it's very, very important you have a purpose. Mm. Because again, there are people out there who needed a, needed a voice. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's hard for them to speak from a jail cell. You know? Everyone has the opportunity. So I see, again, your, your collective, you know, people like Al Harrington, different right. celebrities out there who are actually doing the work and researching right. it and trying to push the envelope to be like, yo, we have a problem here. This is what it is. Let's talk. Let's be about it. Let's be about it. You know what I mean? Like, this is what can be done if we understand all the properties and yeah. the purposes of it <laughs> versus just trying to make a quick buck off of yep, it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, like. Let's be historians of the cannabis industry. Let's make fucking history bro like and let cannabis be the example like let it be the story was cannabis was my gateway into changing a nation tagline right there yeah that's kind of trademark right tm bars bars <laughs> right though think about it how one thing can change a nation how many industries are touched by the cannabis industry and we all know cannabis is the medicine it's the magic medicine we I, you put me in a room with a bunch of weed smokers we about to be friends. Give me a white male. Give me a uh, a Japanese twelve year, eighteen year old, you know, eighteen year old. Give me. <laughs> I know what you meant though. Give it's me all good. a solid twenty five year. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? No, above eighteen. You know above what I'm saying? Because we're in America, above eighteen. You know, we go to Guatemala, we go somewhere else. We can drink at what age? But we're not gonna talk about that. Facts. Because, <laughs> I mean. We not going to talk about that, but I'm saying though I have mm. been I am I am motivated by the fact that cannabis has brought me together with people and and be clear like I'm not all talking about like get high get high I know you not you don't need to get high all the time that's definitely not it mm. nope not at all definitely not an advocate for that but the beauty of what it has uh, brought to me is awesome and I'm not ashamed to talk about it just like I can't be ashamed of wear my natural hair in public and and being a proud bold black woman so i'm not going to be ashamed of my medicine that i take and i'm not going to let you judge me and if you judge me for this then there's plenty more worse things you can judge me for if you judge me for my cannabis consumption mm-hmm. well then you surely won't like side to wow so this is this is the, the best part about it is that I feel like what you're doing and all the things that you're saying may give other people confidence mm-hmm. to be as free with the medicine as you are. Mm-hmm. But not just as free in terms, like you say, get high all the time, but just free in terms of shaking off the stigma of it, 
being able to say that, yes, this is my medicine and I can tell you why it's my medicine, what it does for me. I think that's the thing about it is if like a lot of people are, people who are weed smokers, right? Yeah. But they hide behind the shadows. Yeah. You never know that they're smoking weed. You never know because <laughs> like corporate offices, you know what I'm saying? Or like people hire up like doctors. I don't, I don't. Right. And it makes me laugh because you know what? Um, in certain hospitals, you know, that I've seen in the area, you know, they have cancer centers mm-hmm. and all that. But if you go outside at certain times of the day, what you're going to see, doctors and nurses lit, lighting up cigarettes going town yeah. with packs and crazy, packs of them. Crazy, crazy. I'm like, what's going on? Because you got a stressful job. I'd rather y'all have some marijuana what? and some yeah. cigarettes, bro. If I could give you a vape over a cigarette? Yes. I know tobacco's not good for me. God bless the backwoods in my throat. I know. I'm sorry. Shh. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been indoctrinating condition too. I like the tobacco too. It's a pro- it's a problem though. I recognize it's a problem. It is a problem. Tobacco is addictive. Mm-hmm. It's not the cannabis that's addictive. I know. I know for a fact. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the fucking backwood that I want to roll up the weed in mm-hmm. that I'm addicted to. It is a fact. I'm a case study. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the marijuana that's addictive. Mm-hmm. It's the cannabis. I mean, it's the tobacco part. It drives me crazy, but that I, <clears throat> I really want cannabis to be legal, and I want to take the stigma away from it because I struggle myself with the stigma. I struggle myself trying to not be ashamed of it, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I'm already dealing with the fact that I'm a black female, and people are racist in Philly, and so you don't get jobs and opportunities because of how you look, right? And then I add on the cannabis thing. But I'm so used to just like covering up everything about myself that covering up the fact that I smoke weed is like not even, it's like weed. It's like, of course, (laughs) I'm black. (laughs) I'm over here trying to hide my blackness. (laughs) Uh, This weed will be no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? We got girls out here, men, women, hiding their blackness, trying to subdue their blackness, subdue something about them, right? So for me, it's like a liberation. It's like, I smoke weed and I'm black. <laughs> and I'm a fucking bold fem- black female too. Yeah. And I'm a feminist. Yeah. Fuck the patriarch. Whoa. I've got a voice. Holy crap. <laughs> Love it. Feel free to get an abortion. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like this moment of like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing bad about you. Cause I'm, t- I've literally have been in so many spaces that have made me feel bad about myself that I then go smoke my weed to feel good about myself again. My every magazine tells me I should not have natural hair. It's not the ideal look. Mm-hmm. Black people tell me it's not the ideal look. My mom tells me if you want to get that job in the system, you better do something about that hair. And it's like I see what she's saying, but that's fucked up. But if I want them to like me. Maybe if I want them to like me, I got to be a little less myself. The Black Jack and Breakfast Club for me is like a fuck you. I'm great. I've been great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stand up for what I care about. I love that. I love that you and Chantal are like making this thing happen. And I also love the fact that you guys are doing it and like in the neighborhood that you guys are doing it too. (laughs) 
That's like the most perfect thing ever. Indie Life Media, we love you, Ruby. We are so grateful for that space. The big thing, too, is like having a cannabis-friendly space a private cannabis friendly space and and for those who are trying to figure out how to support being able to open up your doors to these private events is everything right because mm-hmm. we can in the privacy of our homes do whatever we want yes, reality do whatever we want in the privacy of our homes so if you want to support us yeah it's the space but thankfully we have indie life media that opened up their co-working space for us and what's great is it's intimate and small enough so we can actually connect so none of our events can really be over like 20 people because it's such a tight spot but what's great is for those three hours you're connecting with each other you're doing the thing first of all that calms you and relaxes you gets all that energy from the day from the week from the month off you come into this space and you feel the the hospitality you feel the smell the energy of just like love and and positivity and presence we're present here and also this event it's about you you know it's about our dragon base it's about our dragons we we want you to feel warm we're thankful that you you decided to be here we're thankful that you care about cannabis and we're excited to help facilitate whatever magic is supposed to happen in that space right and and the behind part is that we're building a network of people we trust and people we're proud to say we're part of a community with and again i go back to like you just because you bring people together don't mean nothing what's behind it right you talk about social influencers well I'm just trying to lead our community. Call it what you may. But we've devised a space where it's small enough. It's our trusted people. It's our energy. It's our essence. And in that, there's magic happening, right? Because you know the birds, they flock together. We have to be around people who inspire us, who support us, who believe in similar things. So as the folks who decide to come and take that leap, get that ticket, come to that event, they they know magic is about to happen, right? And I'm all about my reputation, Chantel the same. We've done a lot of work in the community, locally and globally. Um, and so our the intention behind it, it is always to create a trusted space for our community to connect, learn, um, build relationships, be creative, um, grow, build, monetize. Honestly, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And we know we can't do it by ourselves. Right on. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's mm-hmm. so much to be said, There's so much to, to learn, so much to research. But it's dope to have you both mm-hmm. standing as compasses you know as guiding lights for those who may not be able to understand where to go you're giving them a path absolutely an opportunity an outlet Mm -hmm. i think that's a lot of things that that's the main thing that a lot of us tend to like not have Mm -hmm. is the outlet yep you know all of our ideas here not wondering are there others like us right you know who can i connect with and the fact that you're helping to create this community this network yep. of like minds and you're doing it from a, a grassroots you know from a perspective like that you can't lose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's open to the allies you know this is this is by women of color for people of color and our allies and know that Love that. So wow. Um, before 
you know, we end mm -hmm. this episode, which is very, very informative. I'm so glad that you stopped by. Thank you. Uh, what, what's the final thought you want to leave the audience mm -hmm. with? Well, we have to be brave and we have to be in the future. And in order to be in the future, we have to create the space that looks like it, that feels like it. So I ask that we continue to dream and feel empowered and feel like we have the, the, the control of our future, right? Mm -hmm. And know that we can do this together. So let's join together, create a space for the future, um, and let's bring equity to our cities to our communities, let's bring equity to our families, let's bring equity um, to our confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Black Dragon Breakfast Club, we're here. We're here, and they ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere, rise and grind with us, right? Rise, grind, and work. Yes, I love it. Definitely, uh, you've given me quite a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. um, just to know, like, listen, yes, besides it's me, when I do smoke it, it's always understand the purpose. Always. You know, always understand the purpose. That's for everybody out there who who's listening. Like, you don't just do anything just to do things. There's always a reason behind mm -hmm. it. Always a reason behind mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Boom. Just like that. Oh, and then, of course, to all of our creatives, right? I just want you to think about there's a lot of money in the cannabis industry. And due to a lot of regulations in other industries, the cannabis industry and the money will not be able to support, like, you know, hospitals, for example. So I want you to think about the money that's going to be coming in and out of the cannabis industry and how it can get in the hands of creatives. Right. And so what's the pipeline going to look like? Mm. Think about that. It's a lot of cannabis dollars. Start researching high times. See. And see what the creatives are doing. See what the entertainment industry is doing. We have a very black and brown entertainment industry that cares a lot about cannabis. Cannabis is going to be a billion dollar industry. And it's going to be really nice to have brand ambassadors and people representing products in the cannabis industry. Shout out to... Uh one of, my, one of my favorite legendary rappers in California, Corrupt, who has the moon rocks. Uh, you know, he's doing this thing out there. Of course, legendary people like Currency and yes. Wiz Khalifa, oh. the current, you know what I mean? Of course, Snoop again. Of course. You know, the uh, Redman Meth. Yeah, look look up Wanda too. Jones, too. Wanda uh, James. Look Wanda up, James. Look okay. up Wanda James. Just look at these, these key trailblazing people. Like, think about your strand of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Right, because again, if you start thinking about cannabis like a medicine, then you'll start to think about the people who are creating the medicine and why, right? Because let's understand, if you are a patient, then you have a particular ailment that needs a specific, has a specific diagnosis and a specific medicine to help. So what if we could create a medicine that is just for you? Damn. You'd invest in that medicine. Yes, indeed. You know, I was, I was going to end the episode with one more question that I had for you, okay? <laughs> yeah. and, after, and this is it. I promise. Sometimes <laughs> I, go on, I go on and on, but this is the one that's, I think is pretty good. Uh, there was a Cannabis Learn Conference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Yeah, so uh, Cannabis Learn Conference, I heard about it randomly on, I think, maybe Instagram, and I contacted the Instagram page and asked for some tickets because the tickets were like six, seven hundred dollars 
uh, for the two-day conference, two, mm-hmm. three-day conference. Uh, they ended up giving me 15 <laughs> free tickets. Oh, wow. And I intentionally wanted to give them to people of color. So I brought a couple people there. I actually brought um, a friend of mine, Dean Myers. We started um, a media production company during the summer called Infomedia, um, as well as I brought over um, Sheena Robertson, who works with Cannabis Noir. Um, that was actually the, the beginning of Cannabis Noir with me and Sheena. Um, a few months later, I chose to go separate ways um, from Cannabis Noir um, and went off to do my own thing. But the Cannabis Learn Conference taught me a lot. You know, I, we were able to produce a few videos from it, interviewed a lot of different brands. Um, but what I saw is that it just lacked people of color. Um, and thankfully, our mayor, Kenny, was one of the few people that really brought up the problem. And the problem being we're ignoring the young black youth in Philadelphia, the minorities in Philadelphia who are dealing with the, the negative side of cannabis. And so just being there, I met folks from Athletes for Care, Jamie Brown, ex-football player. I met um, different football players, not football players, but hockey players. I met Bud Tender. I met um, um, Marijuana Business Journal folks, uh, folks from the Kind Pen, um, this, um, Hello Dispensary. There were so many people we connected with, and it was just this vibrant um Space of opportunity is what I saw. So while I did not see people of color, which I wish I did, what I saw was opportunity. And I saw a space for us. And I didn't feel like they didn't want me there. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing. I saw that there was space for us to be here and it, it, it empowered me. So from there, we created videos. Um, from there, I started working with short, brief uh, Philly Cannabis Nurse, uh, the folks from We Are Daco, Sharon. Uh, from there, I produced uh, a project with Jamie Brown. Actually, Jamie Brown from Athletes for Care is going to be in Phila- uh, Philadelphia December 13th working with kids. So I can share a little bit about that as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, so if you're looking to see some of those videos, just go on the Black Dragon Breakfast Club page. I just posted one recently. There's also more on the inform uh 215 media but the big thing with the cannabis learn conference that i noticed is that unfortunately it really wasn't done that well um and second they really didn't promote it and third they really didn't seem to care about bringing any people of color um four if it seems like they just wanted to sell their tickets just to sell them um and fifth People of color in Philadelphia, there's a lot of opportunity. I want us to start thinking about creating our own conferences, our own festivals, um, our own fairs, uh, so we no longer have to say, I don't see any people of color there, right? So what that taught me, along with a couple of other large events like that, is that we need to, we need to create the conference ourselves, right? So thankfully, we are DACO happen. I'm so happy for them. Congratulations, but let's continue to create this like cannabis space of educating because I learned so much just by being in there. I learned of all the different businesses that are related to cannabis, and I saw all of these young and old entrepreneurs on this you know conference tour just teaching people, and the resources are there. So it's not really about if the resources are there. Again, it goes back to how you use resources, how you hold yourself accountable, and also recognizing what you don't know. And a lot of it is going to be the business skills. If you want to get into the industry, like any other industry, you have to learn business skills. There's no way in or out of it. Either you go to a boot camp or you don't. But every person in that kind of cannabis learn conference, what they had in common is that they know business. 
So my big takeaway from that was go learn you some business so you can be a part of any industry. But the cannabis industry, most definitely, because we have so many target audiences, niche audiences that we can start to identify and just target. And I tell you, a lot of these companies there, it's all very basic because these industries are so at the ground level. They don't really have the branding, the marketing. They don't know exactly how to target different communities. They're not really doing that research to really identify what specific communities need because it lacks research. That's where you have communities like ours. We can really hone in, take a group of a thousand to how two thousand people in Philadelphia and really study what they need. And those are someone's demographic. That's their target audience. Those are your customers. Mm-hmm. So if you side note, if you want to get in the cannabis industry, identify an audience and solve a problem for them that has to do with cannabis. Boom. That's what the cannabis learn conference taught me. I'm ready to do one. I brought my video camera crew. I got about three, four videos to talk about. I love it. This is this is lit, yo. You going, oh man, yo, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I love the Black Dragon Breakfast Club. <laughs> BDBC, what's up? Yes, indeed. Now, after all that information we got right here, <laughs> please, folks, if you're listening and you have a serious interest in cannabis and cannabis activism is understanding mm-hmm. you know all that has to do with it do your googles do your research and as i too said a minute ago please understand the business get involved mm-hmm. educate yourself to the business because that's the only way you're able to survive out here in the game okay know the business boom and just like that i want to say this is the Weird is New Black Show, featuring, say hi to, co-founder of the Black Dragon Breakfast Club, BDBC. I'm glad I said that all in one take without ruining anything. Yes, it's been a good day for me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man, this is awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And now we're about to fade out. Peace and love.